listening to Just Keep Waiting, a podcast dedicated to encouraging and inspiring you through faith-based stories, scripture, and prayer. Here are your hosts, Janet, Kita, and Wayne. Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode of Just Keep Waiting. Thank you for taking time out of your busy day to hang with us. The topic of today's show is you are who God says you are. I want to start the show off different. Close your eyes and imagine I walked up to you and asked you to describe yourself. What would you say? Take some time and really think about it. Say it out loud if you need to. We'll pause to give you some time to think. Now think about the words you just said. Where did they come from? Did they come from God or were they the words of someone else? For most of my life, my identity was defined by my stepfather. From a very young age, he repeatedly told me I was fat, I was ugly, no man would ever want me, and I would only be good for laying on my back if the man could stomach me. Those words became my gospel and severely impacted how I viewed myself and how I approached relationships. It wasn't until I had an encounter with God that I realized those words were not my identity. I'm in a season of my life now where I'm redefining who I am. And this time, I'm letting God define me, not the world. Kita, going back to the exercise from the beginning, how do you describe yourself? So the crazy thing is, is I'm listening to you instructing all of us to close our eyes and think. And nothing came up. And the only thing I can think of is I have always felt invisible, not valued and unseen. And it's not even that it came from a particular person, but just things that would happen in life. Like I was never the person people would choose, whether it was a relationship or a friendship, study group, employers, whatever. I I never was the person. I never felt like the person that people would choose. I get that. For me, part of growing up, that's how I felt as a kid a little bit too. But I think I purposely tried to make myself be unseen because I believed the words that my stepfather said. Well, if I'm fat and ugly, I want to hide myself as much as possible. If I had to do stuff in front of people, I would get severe anxiety. It took a really long time to break that mentality. Even when I thought I was over it and I was doing better, it would be one thing that would take me back For example, I didn't do relationships for a long time. I didn't seriously date ever. The two times I decided to seriously date, when the relationships ended badly, I always went back to his words. See, he was right. No man will ever want me. So what's the point of trying? I would then put myself in relationships that I knew wouldn't work. I always kept people at bay. I wouldn't allow people to get close to me because if they weren't close to me, I couldn't get hurt. That was how I approached relationships. It took a really, really long time to break that mentality. It's crazy how we don't realize that other people's reaction or action towards us or even words like shape us to the point where we believe that's who we are. 
I think of an instance, there was a guy in high school that I had a huge crush on and I could also consider him a friend, but I just had a huge crush on him. And a group of us was at one of my friend's uh, house and we were all in the room and we were just all talking and we had this thing about recording, just having a camera. It wasn't all the time, but we would just, you know, do little silly things or say silly things. And we were all just talking. Someone asked him, who is somebody you don't want to be with, but they don't know or something to the aspect that may not be the exact question. I just remember him looking directly at me as I'm holding the camera and say, I would not be with Marquita. And I'm laughing because everyone else is laughing. But in the inside, I wanted to just run away. I considered him a friend, but friends don't hurt you. And that embarrassment, even to this day, looking back on it, me being married for almost 10 years and I've been in a relationship with my husband for almost 20, looking back at it is still embarrassing. I've talked about how I've had to go through and redefine. Do you feel like you've redefined yourself? I think I'm redefining. It's weird when people compliment me. It's not that I think that they're lying. I just don't believe it, if that makes sense. Like, I don't think the the person that's giving me a compliment is a liar. But I also don't think maybe that I'm worthy of it or that it's 100% true. I'm learning how to receive. Pastor Shar, she talks about that a lot. We're supposed to be givers, but we also have to learn how to receive. And so when I have people that I admire, like you, Janet, or Kanisha, or Charlotte, tell me these great things about me and compliment me, I have to like learn how to steal myself and receive it. What I've realized is that me dealing with feeling unseen, undervalued, and that being the way that I see myself, that it now has made it difficult for me to receive compliments from other people. And that's crazy because I feel unseen, but the moment someone sees me, I can't receive it. I think back to where I was talking to my husband and I had an epiphany that I struggled in the area of feeling undervalued and unseen. I went and I told my husband this and I'm talking, I was like, I'm not asking you to change anything or comment or anything like that. It's just something that I just came to realize. And later on that week, I'm on the phone with Janet and she asked me to be the social media manager for her podcast and to maybe even speak on one of the episodes. And in that conversation that we had for about four and a half hours talking about God and the goodness of God, she stops and she says, Hey, Kita, I'm going to ask you something. I don't want to answer. I want you to pray, but I need to ask you something. And then I tell her, oh my gosh, I'm nervous. <laughs> and she was like, don't be nervous. She said, as I'm thinking about this whole conversation that we've been having, I hear God clear as day telling me this is the podcast and I need you to be my co-host. And I'm taken away because I remember the conversation earlier that week I had with my husband. And I hear God say, I need you to see you like I see you. And I was just telling Janet earlier today that I was reading Genesis where Sarah had kicked Hagar out and Hagar was out on her own and she runs across God and she refers to him as Elroy, the God who sees. Something about that has stuck with me. And I I believe it's because to know that God, the creator of everything, sees me, not just me in a conjunction or a group with other people, but he sees me, my needs, my wants, my fears, my desires, my pains, my hurts. And that does something for me because where you spend your whole life feeling unseen and to know the most important person sees you, it doesn't matter how you don't see you. It doesn't matter how other people don't see you because he sees you. His word says he knew me 
before I was even in my mother's womb. So he knows exactly what I need, when I need it, and how I need it. Amen. Hearing you talk about that makes me think about a conversation I had last week. I just started volunteering with the production team at my church and the producer wanted to meet me and get to know a little bit about me. As I'm talking to her, I notice quite often I would say things like, I didn't think I was good enough. And I did it so much that she asked me a question that made me kind of take a step back and think. And as I sat there and I really gave thought to the question, I told her, to be honest, it goes back to the words that my stepfather spoke over me. And I realized that I've grown leaps and bounds over not living my life based on what he said. But there are still small parts that kind of still creep up. But there's one thing I've learned through this journey. When I have those feelings of feeling like I'm not good enough because of his words, I can immediately invite God into that feeling and and. God can help me through it. It's kind of like, God, you know, this opportunity is before me and I don't feel good enough. I don't feel worthy. And I need you to strengthen me in that area. And every single time I lean into God and then follow through with the opportunity, it's never as bad as I thought it was going to be. That conversation that you and her had reminds me of a conversation that you and I have talked about. My friend Pam, who is a great supporter of mine. um, And when I say that, like she always pushes me. She always motivates me. But the greatest speech that she ever gave me was one morning I was at work and I left my desk and went to her office and I sat down and I just began to talk. And I was like, "I, I feel like that God has something in me that I need to say. But and then uh, I would go on and I would say, I feel like he's calling me to speak, but I feel like I'm supposed to be teaching or maybe even preaching or writing books. And I just kept going on and listening, but I would always end it with but. And she looked at me and she said, stop. Every time that you speak today and you start talking about the things that you want to do or you desire to do or you feel like God's calling you to do. And then you kill it with a butt. All I keep hearing is Moses. And I look at her and I start crying. And she says, you talk about that you feel like you're supposed to be speaking, but you have a stutter sometimes or some words you don't say correctly. And when you said that, I heard Moses. She was like, this is not the only time that I've heard that. But she was like, it's almost like at that time, God was screaming at her, Moses. And the crazy thing is, and I don't mean crazy, crazy. I mean, like God blow your mind crazy. Right before I came to her office, I was sitting at my desk and I thought about Moses and the children of Israel. Quick thought, Moses and the children of Israel went back to her office, not to talk about that, not to even mention Moses, didn't mention the children of Israel. And what she told me was that she sees me as Moses. Not that I am Moses, but Moses had a lot of doubt, but God called him to do a great thing. And the first thing that Moses would tell God is what he can't do. But I hear what you're saying, Lord. But I have a stutter. And she looked at me and she said, Kita, what God is calling you to do, he's going to give you what you need. And if he doesn't give it, you already have it. That mimics, again, another conversation I had 
It goes back five years ago. I was in a point of my life where I was really seeking God, trying to figure out what his plan was and his will was for my life. So I was constantly praying and seeking guidance. One night I had fallen asleep on the couch and God gave me a vision. I was at my church walking on the stage to give the message for the day. I remember I literally sat up on the couch in a cold sweat, consumed with fear because my stepdad said I would never be anything. And I said, God, I don't want this. He gave me the dream three times. And each time I responded by saying, God, I want to help people. I want to serve people, but I do not want to be on the stage. I do not want to speak in front of people. I have never, ever wanted to speak. And it got to a point where I said, God, if this is what you're telling me I have to do to help people, then I would rather not do any of it at all. And I walked away. I stopped chasing God. I stopped seeking God. And for four and a half years, I ran from God. I started drinking to drown his voice out and I felt myself on a spiral. It wasn't until one day I looked in the mirror and I didn't recognize the person staring back at me. I didn't even like the person I had become. I remember just saying, God, okay, I'm done. I'm done running. I completely surrender. Whatever you want to use me for, use me. It's so funny how you tell God no, and then you come full circle and you end up doing the very thing he asked you to do to begin with. In 2019, I started working on a podcast for CNN and I was working with my sister in Christ. Hey, Tina. But I was working with Tina and we were literally praying our way through that project. It was a pilot project and we really wanted it to be successful. And we were trying to prove that we were really good enough to do it. And we had God all up and throughout CNN working on that project. Every step we took, we were seeking God on how to do it. I remember every time we would write, she would have me read the anchor role. So when it came down to recording, because our anchor couldn't rec record in time for edit, we had to do scratch tracks. And Tina said, Janet, well, you always read the anchor part. So just go ahead and record it. In recording that and having the editors edit the show to my voice, I realized that my voice wasn't bad at all and that I was capable of using my voice to tell stories and to impact people and make them feel things. It was through that that God said, okay, I'm going to cultivate this more. And he gave me the idea of putting this very podcast together. And it was like I had a desire to do it because I had just worked on a podcast, liked my voice and was like, oh, this is something that I can do. Like I wasn't afraid of it anymore. Before I was terrified and I didn't want to do it, but it came down to allowing my stepdad to define me instead of allowing my father to define me. That's really something we have to think about. Whose words are we letting define us? And how are those words keeping us from what God has called us to do? 
as we're talking about the negative things that has impacted us, we know who those people are and we don't have to name those people. But let's talk about the positive people, the people that have prayed for us and sown into us to help grow us to look at how God has called us to be. Who are some of those people? For me, Tina is a big person. Even how we ended up working on the podcast for CNN, even that God was orchestrating the whole thing. I had come across the story for the podcast and I originally wanted to do a video documentary. She actually came up to me for another project and we were trying to figure out how we could get funding for her project. But because of the election and just funding issues, her project ended up being scratched. And I ended up telling her about a project that I was working on. She ended up being loaned out to my department to work on the podcast. And she is a woman of faith. And so we started having what I call God time at work, where she was really helping me draw close to God and to build a stronger prayer life. And with her, I was constantly and always talking about God. And we would literally get so excited every time we would see each other because we knew we were going to fellowship with God in whatever we were doing. My aunt Sue is also a big person. When my mom kind of stepped out of church as a child, Sue made sure that we stayed in church. And it wasn't just me. She made sure that all of her nieces and nephews stayed in church. I remember she had this big green fan and every Sunday morning she would drive around to everybody's house, picking us up and taking us to church. And even now I will call her and we will just have conversation about God. And she'll say, Jan, I can't stay on this phone all night with you, but we do. And I'm so blessed and so lucky to be surrounded by women who know God and love God. My mom, like, ugh, my mom is so awesome. She gets giddy sometimes when I call her and she gets this little laugh and she's like, I just love to see how God is working through you. And I've heard my mom tell me that she is so proud of me more now than I've ever had. And I know that she's always been proud of me. Even when I was at CNN, she would brag about me to friends about what I was doing. But to hear her say that she is proud of me for the stuff that I'm doing for Christ is just different. My mom is someone that I can call and say, mom, I need prayer. And she will go full in in prayer at the drop of a dime. If I'm going through the Bible and I come across something that I don't understand, I can call her and say, mom, I'm reading this and it just doesn't make sense to me. And she will stop what she's doing and she will pull out her study Bibles and break it down and figure it out with me. When I got ready to tell her that God was telling me to leave CNN and pursue him full time, I was scared to tell my mom. That was the one person I did not want to tell because I was like, she is going to have so much to say about this, about leaving your job when you don't have a job. And I really was trying to to prepare myself for it. But the fact that she was like, Janet, if that is what God is telling you to do, then that is what you have to do. You have to go where he tells you. And throughout this whole journey, she has been a real rock for me. And I appreciate that more than she will ever, ever know. And I also have to say, 
Kita. Um, like you, you ask like, who are the people Kita? And I'm not just saying that because I'm sitting in front of you talking. I can't even put it into words. The fact that every single day you are someone that I talk to and we hardly ever talk about personal stuff. I don't know if you realize that, but we hardly ever chat to chat. Everything that we talk about and everything that we share is all God-centric. It's all, did you read this devotional? Did you watch this sermon? I see how God is putting people in my life that can kind of strengthen me in my walk with him. And it doesn't go unnoticed, even down to Crystal Hill and Liz McVicker. I've known them for just a few weeks because I just started serving at church. But these are two amazing women. And just being around them, you can see how God is using them and cultivating them. And it's like, oh, these are two people. I can get down with, <laughs> um, but they are truly women of God and, and it just pours out and shines through them. They have a heart after the kingdom and you can just see that even with the way that they serve in church. Paquita, what about you? Who are your people? Whew. So I had to write my list down. <laughs> I would say the people who have influenced me or encouraged me the most. First, I'm going to just start with you, Janet, not because you said my name first, but uh, or not because you said my name, but I've always looked up to you. Um, your ability to have blind faith. And when you can feel a tug in an area, you will chase your passion. And to now see God be your passion and you're chasing God is a motivator for me to get up every day to do the same because I see the hand of God on your life. But even when you left Oklahoma and you you chased your dream to uh, work for CNN, I tell your story all the time. I mean, people who don't even know you know your story because that's how much you inspire me. You left Oklahoma to move to Atlanta for the hopes of an internship. And it wasn't like a smooth transition. It wasn't like you went there, you got the internship and then it turned into a job. Like it did not look like it was going to happen. And I remember those nights that you and I talked on the phone and we were, neither one of us were where we needed to be in Christ. But I remember us praying and I remember us saying, we're just going to keep trusting God. And I remember how you had people that did not believe in that dream, but you stuck with it because it was something about CNN that you needed. And 10 years later, you had a 10 year career with CNN, starting from a hope of an internship. So I would say first it would be you, because even if you and I did not talk every day or even every month, just hearing the things that you were doing in life inspired me. When I left Oklahoma in 2009, it was in the middle of a recession. Oh, it sure was. <laughs> um, and that's the thing. That's the crazy thing. I don't think about it when I'm in it, but I do have this like crazy blind faith that it will all. And, and I don't know. I can't put my finger on where it comes from. It's always been something in me that says it's going to work out. Not that it's always going to be easy because when I left Oklahoma, it was not easy. No, that was the <laughs> toughest time. I got so many no's, but I was determined that somebody was going to say yes. And I was going to knock every door down until I found that yes. 
I really feel like God will show me things and there's nothing or anyone that can hold me back from what God has shown me with the move to Atlanta. I remember I was talking to my sister about how I felt like a robot and I was doing the same thing day in and day out. And I wasn't satisfied with life. I wasn't living. I just I just existed. And she was like, well, Janet, if you want to change something, change it. And I was like, but I can't. I'm a mom now. I can't chase my dreams anymore. And that's another misconception. Just because you have a child doesn't mean you have to give up on life itself. It doesn't mean that you can't finish school. It doesn't mean you can't chase your dream job. It doesn't mean that you can't live in your dream city. It may make it harder, but it doesn't mean that it can't happen. I gave my sister every excuse in the book that I could possibly think of as why I couldn't, because I was a mom, because I was a now new single mom, I can't chase that dream. And she got so frustrated with me that she just screamed out, well, all I can do is tell you to pray about it. She got so tired of me coming back at her with negative things. Like she would say something and I would have a negative response. And she just kind of threw her hands up and she was like, well, just pray about it. She said it, but I took it to heart. And I remember saying, God, if me moving to Atlanta is part of your plan, then remove every obstacle that is keeping me from saying yes. Make it to where I have no choice but to go. That was my prayer. And when I say in a week's time, every single excuse I had given my sister on why I couldn't go had resolved itself. I literally threw my hands up and said, well, I guess I have no choice but to go. I sold everything I had, packed what clothes I could into my car. I left my daughter for a year, which was the hardest thing ever. And I pursued my dreams with everything I had. It was like I had God's blessing to do it. Thank you, Cynthia. (laughs) And it was because of that, that I was able to endure all of the struggles that came along with it. I was like, God, you wouldn't have worked everything out if this wasn't gonna happen. And I remember when it finally did happen, when I actually started at CNN, the first week I literally walked around with earbuds on and Christian music because I felt like I was in way over my head. I kept saying, I don't belong here. How did I get here? What is going on? I felt lost. And I was like, hold on. My stepdad said I am not supposed to be here. So how did I get here? Every negative thing that anybody had ever spoken over me was coming back to me in that moment. And then God snapped me out of it. And I realized that God put me here because this is where he wants me to be. I had to create my own path while I was at CNN. There was nothing anyone could say or do that would stop me from getting to what God had put in my head because he had put me there. Oh, I can't write for you. That's fine. I'll go write for a different department. Oh, you won't let me do this. That's fine. I'll go because somebody is going to say yes. No matter who says no to you, 
somebody is going to say yes. It's just a matter of whose words are you going to believe? Because God put me there. You may not see in me what God sees in me, but God put me here. And I'm going to go the way he tells me to go, not where you are trying to stifle me and put me in one position. If God tells me to do something, then that is what I'm going to do because he put me here. I need to get something out of it because he plans to use it. So my next two people that um, have influenced me, and this is not in any particular order, but it would be Pam and Lindsay. Pam is who I call Mrs. Claus because she definitely has a giving heart. You could tell her one time something that you liked and it's like she remembers it. I don't know if she goes and writes it down or not, but when it comes to Christmas, she has all this stuff. I think she buys throughout the year and it's like exactly what you wanted, but you don't remember when you asked for it. It's like, how did you know? But she's also a great motivator. So is Lindsay. She doesn't always see it in herself. But I tell her all the time, had it not been for you when I was going through my darkest season, I don't know how I would have came out. Because I remember when I had my miscarriage and I would not pick up the phone for anyone. And she would call me and text me constantly. And I barely knew this girl. I'm like, what does this girl want? Why does she keep texting me? I don't know her that well. Like I had just started my job and she would just keep texting me. And she was like, oh, can I just come by and bring you spaghetti? I'm like, no, I don't want your spaghetti. I still have yet to try your spaghetti, Lindsay. Just a reminder. But she became my other best friend. She made me laugh at her corny jokes. And she just always told me like how good I was and how smart I was. And she would always say, you're so pretty and your your skin is so pretty. And none of these things I would see in myself and it would make me bashful because I'm like, I don't see it. But OK, thank you. But she started making me believe in me. Also, my parents, who are two of my biggest cheerleaders, even though I know I get on their nerves because they tell me all the time that I act like I'm the parent. <laughs> especially when it comes down to their health and all that stuff. But they always support me. They always push me to just go do it. Even when they're fearful, even they don't understand the outcome or see what the outcome is going to be, just go do it. If you think you can do it, just try it. My mom was the first person. She was like, you had all these things to say, you need a podcast. And I'm like, I don't want to talk in front of people. Two of my mentors, Charlotte and Kanisha. Charlotte actually told me, When I requested prayer one day, Pastor Charlotte actually told me that what I was seeking was a mentor. That's what I would need because the season I was in my life, I was having a hard time moving forward with God because I didn't know what that looked like or what that was. And she probably knew at that time. I don't know. But she ended up a year later becoming my mentor. Kanisha was the person who introduced me to speaking on a podcast when she started her podcast, Clarity in the Clutch. And I was very nervous. She didn't realize that I had never spoken in public because she's an excellent speaker. She was like, Wakita, as much as we talk on the phone, I didn't realize that you have never spoken in public because I... I don't know. Something about our conversations made her feel that I have given my wisdom or whatever that is to other people in public, but I hadn't. But she invited me to be her first guest on her podcast when she started it. And she's somebody that I look up to because I think she's just very intelligent and she's so wise in so many different areas, especially like politics and government and anything to do with that. And then last but not least, my husband. (laughs) 
Jamie, I love you so, so, so much. I want the entire world to know how much I love you. You are higher than my best friend because he jokes with me and he was like, you need to let your best friends know that I'm your best friend. So you are higher than my best friends. You are the love of my life. You inspired me to get saved and baptized. You show me what it means to submit and pray and to always set time aside for God. You walk what a relationship with God is. I mean, even just your work ethic inspires me. Even when you're sick or you're hurt or you're brokenhearted, you keep going. You don't let that stop you from your responsibilities. You don't let life beat you up so bad that you just quit and give up on anything. And I thank you for your example. You have to find a way to combat the death that has been spoken over your life, whether it was through people, through circumstances, or on your own tongue. And I can say for myself, a lot of the things that were spoken over my life was my own way of thinking about me. And I thank God for... (laughs) Those loud voices of those people that I named out that screamed life over me and they continue to scream life over me. It's uncomfortable because that old woman is dying and the new me is trying to be born or is being born. But I'm learning what it is to receive those things and to see myself how God sees me through the eyes of how other people see me. We just finished going through our list of the positive people in our lives. It's very clear that it's important to find that if you don't have it. You have to surround yourself with people who are going to speak life into you and not people who are always going to be taking from you. I know sometimes it's hard to pull yourself away But if you desire to walk with God, it's important to let those people go because their words will hinder you. Their words will stifle you and their words will even pull you away from God and make you less connected to God. And it's not like you have to have people who are always gassing you up or I can't be around you because you call me out. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying you have to have godly people in your life that are going to help feed your spirit and that are going to push you to do more of what God wants you to do. And the thing is, you pray to God and you ask God to surround you with people who will help you stay the course. Just like you have friends who encourage you to do bad stuff, you need friends who are going to encourage you on your walk with Christ. Here's something I want to do. We've talked a lot about having that person that speaks positivity into your life, that speaks life over you. So to close out the show today, before we go into prayer, I want to do just that. I want to challenge you to break away from any negative image you have of yourself. No longer give control to the way people see you. I'm going to read a list of scriptures I've put together in a poem. And as I read these scriptures over you, let them permeate your spirit and let these words become your new identity. You are Imago Dei, the very image of God. You are faithful You are forgiven. You are a friend of Christ. You are a member of His body. You are who God says you are. You have been established, anointed, and sealed by God. Be confident, for God will perfect the work He has begun in you. Don't be fearful. God has given you a spirit of power, 
love and self-discipline. You are born of God and the devil cannot touch you. You possess God's grace and it has no restrictions for you are who God says you are. You are a dwelling place for his Holy Spirit. God's power works through you. You have freedom and confidence to approach God. You are humble, gentle, patient, and loving. You are dead to sin. You are not alone for Jesus himself prayed for you. You are who God says you are. You are united with other believers. You possess the mind of Christ. You are blameless. You are free. You are more than a conqueror. You are who God says you are. You are safe. You are part of God's kingdom. You are no longer condemned. You are not helpless for you are protected. You are delivered and you are victorious. You are who God says you are. And don't you ever forget it. You didn't read it like that for me last time. Father God, we come to you today. Some of us feeling unseen, undervalued, broken, misused, judged, angry, lacking peace. Some of us has emotions that we can't even describe. We may feel lost. We may be numb because the world has beat us up so bad. That's the only defense that we feel that we have. But Lord, we know that you see us so that we ask that you meet us where we are at. We invite your Holy Spirit into our lives, into each and every feeling and current characteristic that we feel like that we have. We ask you to take ownership of everything and everything that is not of you that you have no use for. We ask you to remove it, uproot it, burn it away. Strengthen us and show us a mirror so we can see us how you see us. Take out the negative people whispering in our ears or shouting in our face. Remove them from our sight. Remove them from our lives. Remove them from our emotions. Send positive people, godly people, holy people to sow life into us, to breathe life into us. Lord, as we all pray together, I want to uplift the people that we talked about on this podcast that has been such a motivator and encourager for our lives and they continue to be. And when they do it, they do it from their heart. They don't do it from a place of expecting anything in return. But Father God, I want to uplift Tina, Pam, Lindsay, Miss Bunny, Miss Arlene, Charlotte, Kanisha, Jamie, Sue, Mr. Ricky, Liz, and Crystal. They give us more than we can put into words. Lord, and I ask that all that they have poured out to us and others, that you pour back into them three times as much. I ask that you bestow your blessings on them. I ask that you give them more than they ever can ask for or think of because your righteous people will do good work with those things. Lord, I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your peace. I thank you for your love. I thank you for your understanding. In Jesus' name, we will always praise and pray. Amen. Amen. All right, guys, we don't want this conversation to end here. Head over to our Facebook page at facebook.com backslash JKW podcast. And let's keep this conversation going. As always, subscribe to the show so you can catch every new episode. And also leave us a review and let us know how we're doing. Thanks again for listening. And we'll see you next Wednesday. Be blessed.